at SifPop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Rider Zoom. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week I'm joined by Sif Pop Rider Joe. Hey, everybody. Joe's back again. Uh, we're talking about uh, plenty of different things this week. Uh, we'll start off with talking about a couple of, couple of coming attractions. Black Panther 2 and The Fablemans are the two movies coming out this week. And then the Sif topic this week, um, I'm just realizing we never actually announced at all. Because we didn't have it f- planned even a week ago. And I was like, I'll tweet out something. And I never did. We'll talk in Blade. 1998 just just the first film so that's fun <laughs> uh welcome to the podcast about blade um <laughs> uh for our b plot um we're gonna do our top five performances in the non-mcu marvel films um i think that'll be a lot of fun um especially i know i threw on a qualifier that you didn't which means my list is a little different than yours but that's great um we like that so yeah, and then when we're done with that, we'll do a spinoff, a quick recommend or warn from each one of us. Uh, but first, let's get a chance to talk with Joe for a little bit. Um, Joe's on every month, second Wednesday of the month. We talk about comic book films. And I, I like this, you know, getting a chance to catch up on um, some sort of comic book news recently. And Joe suggested that we talk about the fact that Henry Cavill is officially returning. I know it's kind of been like assumed that he would, but like everything's been up in the air because like his contract was... I think I think his contract was up like even before Shazam. And that's why it was a big thing to even see Superman and Shazam, uh, even the logo and all that. Right. So I don't know. It's so I guess I guess we're we're going to do a quick round of do we care? Joe, do you care that Henry Cavill is back? I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings about it. If he's going to come back as kind of bright and hopeful, what we know as Superman, uh, typically historically, I think I'm excited about it. And it looks like they're leaning that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's going to be more kind of like morose, kind of depressed, dark Superman. I'm kind of tired of that. Um, I would care less. Um, sure. But it looks like they're going for a more vibrant, kind of like true to, uh, you know, his historical background as being, you know, the Boy Scout, the symbol of truth, you know, the man of st- the actual man of steel. So that gets me a little more excited about it. But, you know, I'll, you know, I'll hold my reservations until I actually see more than a, you know, clicks a quick snippet at the end of a, of a film. So, <laughs> yeah, I just don't care. And it's not because I don't like Cavill in the role. Like, I, I do. I especially think he's really good in Man of Steel. And then he just gets significantly less to work with in the progressing films. Yeah. But I think, like, I like him in the role. And I, I, so I guess the short answer is, like, sure, I like him in the role. But at the same time, like, the last time we've seen him in a theatrical release was Justice League. Like, like Joss Whedon's Justice League. So that's with 2016 like it's been like seven years (laughs) i don't care anymore like it's there's been all this drama in the back in the back end of dc stuff and nobody seems to have an idea of what they're doing like (sighs) like i just don't care anymore right and and it's one of those things too where like now we finally have james gunn um and somebody else i can't remember who um that are like officially leading the dcu now like they're officially going to be like the heads and i know that they've had a couple of different heads but the heads have really failed to produce a vision so (laughs) it almost just feels like i want them to be able to start from scratch you know 
And if that means recasting Superman and rebooting this whole franchise and getting another Justice League movie in five years, I really don't give a damn. I just want good movies. Right. You know, I would I would rather I would rather they restart the the DCEU completely fresh than bring back Henry Cavill, I guess, is like my main my main point. Like, I just don't care. And it's been so long since we've had a Superman solo movie. It's weird that there haven't been four Man of Steel's yet. So I don't know. I, like that's like, and and I realize rebooting the DCU would suck because like we would lose Zachary Levi as Shazam. You know, I, I like Batfleck. You know, there's there's lots of things we would lose that would really suck. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn is probably the best thing about it. Um, yeah, I. I... Yeah, I, I would feel bad about some of the things that we will lose as a result of completely rebooting it. I think a soft reboot, like what they're what they're aiming for, um, what it looks like they're aiming for. I think that I think that would help a lot. I heard Aaron Dicer mentioned this on the Black Adam podcast uh, for Sif Pop, and I just can't stop thinking about this because he said, "What if the DCEU would have started with Shazam? Like, what if that was the first move?" And I think that's such a better start. Like, it kind of breaks some new ground and introduces i mean if they would have done shazam back in 2013 when man of steel came out like that would have certainly been uh on unbroken ground right like it wouldn't have felt unoriginal i mean not that shazam felt unoriginal but it's like it would have felt wildly different from mcu product so i think it kind of would have felt like mcu because like they i mean not not that uh, you can't really compare iron man to to shazam because shazam was a successful character outside of more successful than iron man in the comic books I mean, he outsold Superman until he got, you know, bought out by DC. But I think that would have been like kind of an Iron Man-esque move. You took a character that like not a lot of people from the, you know, from this generation really like picked up and read a lot about. So that would have been really cool. But I, but you know, that's a really, to me, that would have been a really good move. Well, it's hindsight, you know, or, or maybe start with the Suicide Squad. Like that could be really cool. You know, you know, either Ayer's Suicide Squad done better or, you know, the Suicide Squad uh, I think either of those could have been interesting starts to the universe, you know, uh, especially the Suicide Squad, because that really doesn't rely on like any knowledge of other superheroes that might exist, you know. So you just kind of dropped in this world where like, hey, superpowered people exist. Uh, and and you can still have your mention of tried to kill Superman with a kryptonite bullet and like and uh, and all the things, you know, you can still have your references to Joker, Superman and Batman and all them like um just not actually show them and that's fine too you know you you just be like hey we're dropping in we don't have to do origin stories you've already got them you know so uh it's it all just seems like a mess and i'm i'm just wondering like if i were james gunn what would i do and first of all whatever james gunn is going to choose to do is going to be way better than anything i could come up with and like i hate to say like i really hate to say it because you're right there are some great things that we would lose but i would legitimately just start from scratch at this point i mean because the easiest way to do that is to do flashpoint but how do you do flashpoint with ezra with ezra miller still there now and like sure you can recast him but then you're just creating a an unnecessarily clunky thing which would serve as a reboot but like you're going to recast somebody for the flash only for the flash solo movie only to reboot everything and then just probably recast him again uh, because then how do you explain any continuity? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's, it feels like they should just start from scratch and, and be willing to lose all the good that they've done. Uh, and I know I talk about DC as if they've done nothing good in the last 10 years. And 
that's not actually the case. They've done a couple of things good, not just the Suicide Squad, but like I said, I think Cavill is a really good acting choice. I really like Shazam. I love anything with Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Think I like Suicide Squad more than more than most. The Batman was pretty great. Joker sucked though. Yeah, like there is there is some good stuff in there, but it just it. I mean, you have the whole Snyder cut, and then all this like Ayer cut stuff, and. And then half the movies aren't even good and like most of the population doesn't even consider them good. You know, like um like does anybody think Aquaman is a great movie? I think it's really entertaining. If you if you if you view it under a certain lens, like it's kind of like Masters of the Universe in the water. Like it's like a Saturday morning cartoon. That's I had fair. a lot of fun with it. Even with even with Aquaman, you have Amber Heard in there, and that's a whole thing now too. It's so problematic, it's too, like, yeah. <laughs> it is, and 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 you've also you know you have Joss Whedon making one of your films too, like and and he's a problematic person now. It's just like, and I'm not trying to say that you know, everybody in the MCU is glistening or whatever. I'm not trying to say that they've not made mistakes along the way or or anything like that. I'm just saying like, it, what is the argument to not just reboot it all? What what is the what possible argument, especially since you have all the uh, I guess that doesn't really affect things. But well, no, because Discovery bought Warner, didn't they? Not just HBO. It's Warner. So yes. Discovery is now in charge. So like you could you could use the excuse that Discovery is making a change. You don't even have to put it on on James Gunn or anybody. You just say we, we've just decided the best direction to go is to, to completely relaunch. And you know what? We're completely relaunching with Matt Reeves as the Batman. Like we're considering that the only thing canon anymore. And everybody would be fine with that. Uh, except for Matt Reeves, I think. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, I don't know. I, I almost even wonder, like, maybe don't even go with any sort of canonical timeline. Maybe have your like the Batman movies. And like, I mean, the kind of like they're doing with Joker too. like, that's going to be its own independent thing. Like maybe have your Shazam and just make that all independent. Cause I don't think there's really any like larger DC ties. You can have your suicide squads. So, like, there's no reason they have to have a cinematic universe, right? Like that's maybe the biggest takeaway that they could take is it's fine to have, you know, the suicide squad that doesn't connect to anything. It would be fine to have, uh, I mean, like, look at, I haven't seen it yet, but black Adam, like, I don't think has any larger DC connections. Like, and does I don't know that it needs it, you know, there there's a bunch of things that are kind of connected. OK, uh, yeah. So there there is there's some definite DNA from like the previous films in there. Uh, I won't okay. say much more in case somebody hasn't seen it. Or That's seen it but, it's a new enough release. That's fine. That's fair. But uh, I actually enjoyed that one. I mean, it's not the deepest film, but as far as comic book films go, it's the most comic booky comic book movie. Punch him up. I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, if, if that's. That's the best way I could probably describe it. Well, and so like you can, I'm so what I'm saying, like I'm trying to say is like you can still have your Black Adam, but like there's no reason it has to tie to anything. You can, you know, make Keanu's Constantine too, and it doesn't have to affect anything. You know, it, that's mostly what I'm trying to get at. Is like maybe the best way is to stop trying to make a, a universe like Marvel did. Like I think people are sick of, especially now that Marvel is going down the roads of like a bunch of series and you have to see series in order to, in order to fully understand the movies and you have to see all the movies in order to fully understand, like, especially the big ones like DC is at such an advantage at this point where they could just be like, here's black Adam. You don't need to know anything. Just go see black Adam. And everybody will be like, cool. And here's Superman. It's not related to Batman. It's not related to Black Adam. It's just Superman. 
and here's Superman 2, and it's only related to Superman, and maybe you can do some crossovers every now and then, or you, it allows you to have multiple different actors playing a role at a certain time, and they can all be different, and like, wouldn't that be exciting? Like, two active Batman, isn't that, am I wrong for wanting that? Uh, no, I've actually talked to several people about this, and people get really caught up in the fact like, oh, but if they do like, uh, the, the Batman, it doesn't take place in the DCU, and Joker doesn't, I was like, as long as they're good, competent films, and who I cares? Them, I don't really care. That that's cool. They could do both if they want to, which that's kind of what they're doing. Yeah, you know. But I, like I said, I wouldn't care either way. Right. I mean, I mean, Marvel was doing that. There was plenty of Marvel films in like the late '90s, early 2000s. They don't really tie together. Not even the X Men movies really tie that well together. And they're like, yeah. you know, they're hit. They're hits and misses, of course. But like, well, and that's all I know that there's a lot of rights issues that separated those things from ever like coming together. But like what? Yeah. What would be wrong? I mean, yeah, I mean, since since in the late 90s and early 2000s, if you had I mean, we, we, we did have Blade, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Punisher, Spider-Man, Daredevil, Daredevil, Electra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, shoot. Um, something else. Uh, I mean, I mean, Constantine. Uh, it's DC. Hulk. Right? Hulk. Yeah. Like there was already a bunch of un- unconnected properties and like nobody's saying that era of comic book films was great. Most of most of those movies are, are not considered great, especially by today's standards. But but like it's just it, it would wouldn't it feel refreshing again, knowing knowing you could just go see, I don't know, whatever what's a what's a what's an upcoming dc movie i mean i know i think they're working on the wonder woman 3 um i know james gunn has a couple projects going that he himself will be helming aquaman 2 is coming out example i don't know i what if they announced what if they announced a martian manhunter movie and you don't need to know anything about anything it's just martian manhunter no connection to any outside dcu stuff like that would wouldn't that be nice to not have to, you know, watch all of WandaVision to understand fully Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Or, and even, I mean, I guess understand fully is putting it like, it, that's more exaggerated. But <laughs> if you want to understand how Wanda got to where she is, and or like, yeah, it, it, it almost feels like it, it's a new idea, even though it's literally the old idea. And maybe I'm just crazy. And again, I kind of like the idea of what if you have Robert Pattinson as Batman? Um, while also making the Dark Knight trilogy. I mean, I guess I wouldn't want two Batman solo properties, but while also having here Superman and in this new Superman iteration or whatever, we also have I don't, Chris Evans. Why not playing Batman? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like 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 legitimately like two or three simultaneous, you know, Batmans or Supermans, but they're all just like you have different actors. So there's no confusion as to continuity. And guess what? If it's working and you want to do a crossover, you do a Crisis on Infinite Earths cool that right. would work if you, yeah if you want to have a big crossover event film but I, you know, like i said i am i'm i'm glad you know the batman was outside of the you know the then dcu because it wasn't hankered by those expectations and, and they could make a film that was very fincher-esque like seven like you couldn't do that in a dcu it just wouldn't really blend together but since it wasn't like having to coincide with all these other properties like it was its own unique thing and i loved it i thought it was great uh, that was like one of the better things they've done in a long time. I sure. really enjoyed it. Sure. Little little lengthy side, but I enjoyed all of it. But but yeah, I, I mean, I know you didn't like the Joker, but I enjoyed it. And I, I'm glad it was they were able to do something outside of, you know, take a swing and do something, do something different. Yeah, that's that true. Cool. We are a long way off from <laughs> from uh, are you excited? Do you care that Henry Cavill is back? But like, yeah. I think that is also indicative. Um, you know, I, 
uh, of it. It just seems like I, I'm glad Henry Cavill is back, but there are significantly bigger issues. Uh, and maybe, maybe part of the um, convincing Henry Cavill to back was to finally hire somebody to be in charge and to finally like. I'm pretty sure there was somebody in charge for the last couple of years, but you could barely tell. So and and if the person was in charge, decided to release Wonder Woman 1984 and other garbage like <laughs> i'm not sure i want that person running my studio anyway right yeah there were, there were several creative heads at uh, one time it was jeff johns was doing a lot of creative stuff mm-hmm. so i mean they're all over the place and like you know those properties were trading hands all the time so yeah i'm 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 really excited for the future uh tentatively i, I love james gunn everything he's done so far for dc i think has been really excellent like mm-hmm. i love the suicide squad i love peacemaker i thought peacemaker mm-hmm. was they maybe feel and like a character that I, he's a complete scumbag and I, and I loved him and i loved you know this the writing around it like everything about it was pretty excellent so yeah i'm excited to see what cool. he does me too and i know we've talked quite a bit recently like just on the podcast about like what we would do if we were in charge of the dcu or even i think we've even talked about what we would do if we charge the mcu so i know we're not breaking any new ground here but it just feels like i don't know at the very least i guess up until a month ago when they hired James Gunn, like at the very least we have a plan. We have a desire for what we want, you know, and that's more than we could say for DC. They're just like, uh, uh, you know, they're black Adam. We'll get the rock. The rock will make us money. And I don't know how it's doing at the box office, but it didn't get my money. Um, so I mostly because of schedule, but you know, me and my wife actually had like opening night free and we were like, well, black Adam's out, but I don't really want to go. And she's like, I wouldn't mind, but I also don't, want to either <laughs> so anyway joe i have one more question for you before we get moving on so one thing outside of the area of pop culture uh th- that i have for a question for you um we've mentioned on the show uh we're both married uh not to each other <laughs> but uh i, I want to know what is the best date that you've ever been on best date that's a good one i can't really, can't really remember like i'm trying to remember like it's been so long since i've been on a mm-hmm. date so <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> I feel that, especially anything more than like dinner, you know, <laughs> it's been right. so long. I mean, pretty, pretty like just recently, like last, last weekend, we, uh, we celebrated our, um, six year anniversary and we just, Hey, congrats. Yeah. We just rented a nice hotel and played video games and we were away from the kid for, you know, a day and a half. So that was great. Um, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was really fantastic. You play anything fun? Uh, yeah, we played the quarry. Yo, which, which is good. It's really cool. The only thing I don't like about it, I don't like the music. It really threw me off. Like I, I thought I was expecting a lot of like eighty synth. And I'm almost pop music. <laughs> I'm almost positive you can go into the options and change the music. Okay, yeah, I might do that. I'm pretty sure. I think it just becomes more cinematic as opposed to like whatever. But yeah, I'm almost positive there's multiple different sound options. Um, I remember just seeing that, and I was like, huh, nice. I didn't know if you were playing Gotham Knights at all. <laughs> So uh, I, I, it's in the queue. Like I mean to pick it up, but um, yeah, we don't have a lot of time to play video games. Uh, yeah, the kid. Yeah, that was yeah. a lot of fun though. And I guess for those that are looking for an update for the last, I, I signed up for the Gotham Knights review, and I mentioned like a quick preview. I mean, this game is taking me forever to get through because I mean it's it's not a big game. It's just I have no desire to play it. <laughs> That's kind of the thing. Like at, at some point, I might just release an article that just says like it's you you can wait. Like, there's nothing here really, like, I don't know. And maybe at this point, it's too late to release an article. The game's been out for, like, three or four weeks. But, but like, the game is absolutely worth waiting on. Like, there's nothing incredible about it, like, graphically. 
or like gameplay wise or even story wise. And that's a shame because all three of those should have been excellent. You know, those should have all been really exciting. So, you know, maybe that's the article that I'll come out with is, you know, typically you read these articles to find out if if and when you should buy it. And I'm just saying pick it up when it's discounted because it's already like single player only except for co-op and those games get discounted quickly so whatever we'll see i'll probably chat with robert about that this week and we'll see about what we want to do but anyway i just didn't that sounds like a good time though just getting away playing some video games the quarry i mean it's i was surprised that it kind of had like a party mode thing to it which i think is a really fun idea but like you kind of have to play it all in one sitting like if you're gonna have more multiple people over like i played the quarry like over the course of like two weeks maybe a week i don't know it's relatively short but it's not short enough it's not like when you put on like bandersnatch or something uh and you can like get through it in one sitting like if we if i were to have some friends over it would be like all right come over once a week for two hours and we'll do that for like two months you know right yeah it's yeah it's relatively short game but not that short i think it's like seven Uh, or eight hours Right. But like, unless you just like get some friends to be like, hey, come over for an entire Saturday or Sunday and we're going to play this game just straight with party play on. And like, that would be fun, but that's a long time. So, yeah, that'd be really great, though. Yeah, it'd be fun. I'm trying to think best date. Um, I, I The first thing I think of is when I was dating my wife. I mean, we still date kind of. But when we were not engaged, I took her to a hockey game. I took her to a Chicago game. It was Chicago versus Winnipeg. And it was fun because I wound up getting a really good discount on tickets. So normally I set 300 levels because that's what I can afford. Um, But I managed to find and it was a date with this cute girl that I was getting serious with. So like, um, you know, we were talking about getting engaged. So it was one of those like uh, or we were talking about the potential of of that, you know. Um, And so I took her to Chicago and um, I found tickets for like center ice on the 100 level like 10 rows back like really excellent seats for like maybe double the price i would normally pay but like those seats should cost like five or six times what i normally pay like they were not cheap but they were not as expensive as so like i had never sat that low and the blackhawks won i think in regulation and they sucked that year too so it was you know it was a feat and um they uh you know i think we we had both just talked about it later and we had said that date was the day that both of us kind of like really solidified like i want to marry that person so um i guess that would be my answer no that's a good that's a great answer like nothing super special no like super fancy i mean we've done some really nice fancy things some really unique and creative things but it also just feels like we haven't done a ton since covid either because of covid concerns or lack of means you know uh, so lack of means or time um to do yeah. something so yeah i guess that's what i got but that's fine i like that answer yeah it's solid well uh we'll dive into a couple movies that are coming out this week i want to get off of comic books just for a minute i think let's start off with talking about the fablemans this is uh spielberg's new movie <clears throat> sorry written and directed by him also written by uh tony kushner uh synopsis here is growing up in a post-world war ii era arizona Oh, that's a weird combination. Era, Arizona. (laughs) A young man named Sammy Fableman discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth. Uh, This is starring notably um, Michelle Williams, Judd Hirsch, Paul Dano, Seth Rogen, 
Uh, see Julia Butters. She, oh shoot, what do I know her from? I recognize that face. A bunch of like faces here that I don't necessarily know the names of, but I know the faces. Anyway, plenty of good good people in this cast. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, that's what she would, uh, she played Trudy. Anyway, the Fablemans. Joe, uh, this is a uh, November twenty third. Uh, wow, that's I guess not this week. Oh, it's in select theaters this week. That's what it is. So it's in select theaters the 11th. That would be this week. There we go. Uh, and it'll be wide uh, November 23rd. So the Fablemans, um, we're going to assume it's wide at this point. And we're going to, again, say no streaming. Nothing's going to factor into a budget schedule except for your will. When do you think you'd want to check this one out? Would you go check it out in theaters? Wait till you could rent it at home. Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for. Or are you just not interested in it? I, I really love just about everything that Spielberg does in Will's work. Um, so for me, it'd be theaters for anticipation level. Mm-hmm. The, cast, the cast looks uh, outstanding. Uh, you've already uh, routed off a few names that like come to mind. I love movies about filmmaking and filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Even even if they're not even... Uh, it's, this isn't biographical, but it definitely has a touch of like this uh, could have been something related to Spielberg's past uh, mm-hmm. in some, some respect. Yeah, and I yeah I love to see people on screen really passionate about their dreams and those type of films really grab me. Uh, so yeah, I'm really high up on this one. Uh, I'd say theaters. I'll go theaters as well. I I think the big thing about it to me now I have seen a bunch of stuff on the about this movie on Twitter, but I like haven't seen a trailer. Uh, I've been really good at avoiding trailers because I just don't seek them out anymore, and I, I don't know. I just like don't come across them a ton except when I go to the theaters, and I don't go to the theaters as much as I want to anymore. So I. Uh, having not been exposed to too much of this though this really feels and you can you can totally tell me i'm wrong um because i very well might be but this kind of feels like spielberg's version of hugo in a way like because scorsese had hugo and that was kind of like a young person is taught life lessons through film like and 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 it's really just a love letter to film in general right like this kind of feels like spielberg's hugo I haven't seen Hugo, but I, okay. I know what you're talking about. That it it does uh, it does come off that way. It's it's kind of like just an overall love letter to filmmaking and like you know that that type of, that experience. Um, okay, uh, you should check out Hugo. It, Hugo's great. Um, yeah, it just that I mean that's kind of what it what it gets what I what I see or what I think of when I see this everything. <laughs> and like, who doesn't like like name one movie about movies that's bad like. <laughs> Like, or at yeah, least there's not something to admire about it, right? Like, yeah, there's definitely more hits than misses when it comes to when you frame it that way. And like, even Ed one, Wood, like Ed Wood is about, you know, a horrible, a prolific, like horrible filmmaker. But like that movie's amazing, you know, <laughs> and it's like name one bad Spielberg movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like I'll wait type of type of deal. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking because I'm like, is there something I'm overlooking? And man, like I don't I don't know that there's anything here that like because like ET is one of those that like I don't know that has stood the test of time as well for me. But I'm not calling ET a bad movie by any means. And like I didn't like Hook. I watched Hook early recently this year for this podcast. But I'm not calling Hook a bad movie. It's it's very competently made. I, I didn't like it. Yeah, he hasn't really had a bad movie. And I mean, especially of late. I mean, I know a lot of people might say Ready Player One. Uh, and I don't personally like West Side Story all too much because I can't really get invested in the characters. But he directed the hell out of that movie. 
you know, Lincoln's great. I even like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You know what? I'm saying it. Uh, yeah, if I had to point out one, that would probably be it. Um, It'd be Temple of Doom. I love Temple of Doom. I grew up with Temple of Doom. That's like my, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people like that, right? There's like people who like Return of the Jedi is their favorite Star Wars. Like that's my favorite of the Indiana yeah. Jones films. Yeah, there are definitely people <laughs> that have that. And there are definitely people that, there are definitely people that for both Return of the Jedi is their favorite Star Wars. and temple of doom is i don't know about favorite but at least like second or third right um all right i take that back there is a movie that i'm with that spielberg made that i'm willing to call bad and that movie is um the lost world jurassic park that movie can um kick a can oh so. did he direct that yep yeah i don't like that movie i only like the first <laughs> jurassic park so there you go <laughs> yeah that's a bad one there we go but either way if his, if his last movie was in the, the last bad movie was in the 90s you know so Anyway, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a home run. This movie's going to be a home run for sure. Um, it's, I think, probably going to get nominated for Best Picture. We'll see if Spielberg gets nominated again for director. I mean, I feel like anything he does at this point is a shoe in. And Ready Player One is different because that was a little bit more like, you know, CGI. But like at least like like the post got nominated. Um, I don't know. This, I feel like this is a shoe in for at least a bunch of nominees. I mean, unless it winds up sucking, but I really doubt that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I obviously i'm going to be opening week opening week for this one i'd be very excited to be able to check this one out um as soon as i can um this is one of those that like i i currently am scheduled to work thursday night but i drop my shift and if somebody picks it up and this is playing near me i'm gonna go try to see it but i have a feeling this is probably just gonna be la and new york and i live nowhere near either of them so i'll probably just have to wait like a good boy but we'll see (laughs) Um, so yeah that's that's my big thing. Anything else you want to touch on the Fablemans? No, nothing that we already haven't touched on. Like you said, uh, hit Spielberg's track record is like nearly spotless as anybody can be. Probably up there with James Cameron where just about everything, I at least uh, enjoy it or it's completely directed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Well, then we'll talk about Black Panther Wakanda <laughs> forever. Uh, this is wide. Um, this week the people of wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of king t'challa ryan coogler back directing and writing uh joe robert cole also uh writing credit here we have pretty much the whole cast uh of the first one um returning i mean with some notable exceptions of obviously chadwick boseman um not not able to be part of this film and um michael b jordan as well as killmonger like he his character is dead so but yeah we have angela bassett danny Gurria, lupita nyongo leticia wright i know i'm saying all these as as white as possible because <laughs> yeah Mar- martin freeman even coming back um here lake bell making an appearance i don't think she was has been in the mcu yet winston duke is back uh plenty of good uh plenty of really excellent star power i guess daniel kaluuya is not back at least as far as i can see but again where his character left off you know so anyway yeah. black panther wakanda forever what do you think about this one i mean are you really excited about this one or are you really interested to see where it goes i mean i or are you like cautiously optimistic how would you describe your feelings going into this movie uh for me <clears throat> i trust ryan coogler I, I love all these actors i think their performances in the previous film were excellent I think it's one of the strongly acted films of all the MCU movies um, and really well-directed. I think the only drawback to the initial film was the CGI. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not the best, um, but other than that, I, I love the first film. Um, 
yeah, I'm beyond excited about this film. Um, I'm going to be seeing it opening night. Actually, be seeing it opening night. And we talk about it. I don't really get out much to watch movies anymore, but I'm definitely seeing this on Friday. Yeah, like really excited about the cast. Um, all the trailers have been excellently cut and elicited some type of emotion from me um, and got me hyped up. Uh, I think this, if this film goes off without a hitch and is really excellent, it could universally uh, kind of unite the fan base again because there are people that are not liking some of the shows or some of the movie choices from this phase. So uh, I think it will help bolster up and kind of renew a lot of people, renew a lot of people's faith in uh, in Marvel. But yeah, I'm also really excited to see what they do with Namor. Um, he looks really cool. Uh, I kind of like the way they kind of switch up his origin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, is it Tinaka Huerta? Um, he looks really excellent. I like the design. Uh, I'd like to see what they do with that. Um, and also see what they do with uh, Riri as well, like all the new characters, um, see mm-hmm. how they introduce them. So yeah, I'm beyond excited about this. I, I mean, I think you just put it like perfectly in uh incorrect is that i really just trust ryan coogler for this one if it was anybody else doing it um, i would be hesitant i mean ryan coogler or i mean i guess like michael b jordan is correcting creed 3 that's coming out soon and like part of me wants to see him do a black panther movie in the future i don't know we'll see if if creed 3 is well directed but the trailer for that looks awesome (laughs) but anyway um you know i i guess it's just one of those things that like if it was in anybody else's hands I'd be I'd be worried, but I mean, Coogler had been attached. It infamous, very famously, uh, nobody knew about T'Challa's illness except for his closest family. So Marvel had no idea how to respond. Certainly, Coogler had no idea how to respond. Um, but like, you got to think that it, that if his heart weren't into establishing, you know, the the continuing the legacy of this world that was built, and especially like moving past T'Challa, you know, and having the audacity to to kill the character as well and being allowed to you got to think that this movie is just made with the most respect and there's really no way it can't be great right because at any given if this movie weren't excellent and weren't the biggest respect tribute ever no way kugler would have continued to work on it no way lupina nuango would have continued no way any of this cast um, would have con- especially people that are tie overs from the first movie no way they would have continued working on this film uh, and so the fact that everybody's back again, specifically with Cougar, Cougar writing and directing, it's it's just it's just one of those things where I can't not be excited. And I, I want to touch on this very quickly and I want to move on because I don't want it to be the focus. How, what, what do you think? How, how, how do you think they handle moving forward without T'Challa? Uh, like, how do I feel about them not recasting or how do you how do you feel like where they can go with it since if he will not if, be if you were Ryan Coogler, what would you do? I, I think in respect of what he's done, him him and um, and Bozeman were were great friends. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it was great that he chose not to recast. I know that like some people are like, oh, they need to recast a character. But I think under these circumstances, how tragic they were, I, I like the approach they're taking with it, and I trust that he will show the utmost respect about like showing a tribute to both this character and a good friend of his. Is you know a good and so. I have a lot of respect for Ryan Coogler as a director. I think every film he's made has been, he's knocked it out of the park. Um, see, I have great faith in what he's doing. So whatever direction he wants to go in, um, I'm just going to, you know, just kind of ride the ship with him. Sure. So I, I don't want to dwell on it too long, but I think it would be really interesting if, if, if the black Panther became kind of a, a, a symbol, if like, I, I know a lot of people um, are, are saying that it should have, I think initially it was just like, all right, well, sure, he will be the next Black Panther because that's how it goes in the comics. And 
you've set up this character that everybody adores. So sure, <laughs> why not? And yeah, um, so I think I think it's one of those that I would be really interested to see if they made it more of a symbol. And so like sometimes it might be Shuri and sometimes it might be M'Baku and sometimes it might be Okoye. Like if it was just kind of like any of the main people could take up the mantle for a mission or something like that or for a, a circumstance or whatever. Again, if 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 there wasn't just a Black Panther anymore, you know, and I'm not super familiar with the comics. I don't know if that's even like a thing that is. I don't know if I'm just speaking heresy or anything, but no, no, like I, I've I've talked this at length with like various people and I'm really open to that option as well. I think that is a really great way to tackle it. Um, as far as comic book accuracy goes, sometimes T'Challa is both King and Black Panther. Sometimes somebody else is acting King and somebody else is Black Panther. So it's not within the realm of possibilities to like have that be have there be multiple Black Panthers at once. Like I think that still falls in the realm of like what they can do. Well, and I'm not even saying necessarily like again two like two or three of this. Like I'm saying there's still one suit. <clears throat> it's just different people occupy it at different times for different styles or availability or or again what it what it what it means if 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 still the legend of t'challa just lives on through each individual you know if if every time people put it on you know it's it's not really shuri getting in it you know i mean it is but it's it's not right like that might be a really interesting direction to take it but like i I don't want to dwell on it too much because i think i think they've got something special up their sleeves but like i just wanted to quick bring it up uh i'm i'm hoping the cg is fixed because you're right the cg is just atrocious in the first film it's really the only thing that holds it back but it's it's an excellent film otherwise yeah and it's excellently cast it's great i i I had that in notes as one of my bullet points what they're if that's what they're showing in the trailer is going to be the the visual style of the film the film looks excellent the cgi looks fantastic they could tell like this time they've had not that they shouldn't have had full confidence in the first film with ryan cougar directing in the cast but it feels like this time they're really bolstering up and backing it up like no we're gonna throw our best at this we're trying to get the best visuals possible like it looks really clean cgi mm-hmm. doesn't look uncanny ballet from what i've seen like they yeah because there's, there's there's moments in the first black panther it gets it's like ouch like yeah. <laughs> especially the third uh, act and i wonder i wonder how much of that was due to either schedule constraints because black panther had to come out before infinity war and they weren't gonna not have that be you know the <clears throat> kicking off summer like just narratively it had to be before or or how much of that was like how much of the money went towards the cast and crew instead of you know the effects like uh, maybe both those things played a factor but black panther turned a billion dollars at the box office so like you know <laughs> they sh- and i'm i'm sure it to- sold a million toys and merch um and it will do it you know, you know, sorry uh, like billions in toys and merch i'm sure it will again so like how do you not just be like especially because this movie means so much more uh, this time around. Like, how do you not make this the perfect movie? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I'm willing to bet. Like there was a lot of factors that you actually named like the cast. Cause the cast is ridiculous. Like the amount of talent, like award-winning talent they were able to, you know, Mm -hmm. to assemble on on the first film. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 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 So that's, I think all I have to say, I mean, the tra- the trailers I've only seen when I've, when they've been playing in front of like <laughs> movies that I've gone and see and they look great. I think they do a really good job of setting. Uh, they, they set up and they don't linger on really any one thing too much. And it just seems like, I, I don't know. I feel like these are the best trailers I've seen for superhero movies in a while. 
And part of it is I think they're really trying to conceal. I think everybody is wondering how are they going to move forward with, with T'Challa and they're a, a worser marketing team would say, here's how we're doing it. Now come see how that works. And they're just like, no, you have to come see if you want to know. Um, so anyway, but and but you're right. It looks gorgeous. Then the name war design is really interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see that villain um, is one name is one of those like names I've heard frequently, but like know nothing about. I think he might have been in one of the Marvel versus Capcom games. And that's maybe my history. I mean, he's been around since they've been called timely comics. Like he's one of the first. Well, he is the first mutant in all of Marvel. Um, he's also one of the first comic book characters in, in Marvel when they were named timely. Um, he was part of the invaders with Captain America and uh, their their human torch and Bucky. Um, so, yeah, he's been around for like ages. So, yeah, I and mean, he's like, I guess. Aquaman is the equivalent of him because he's he far predates Aquaman. He's been around since like the 30s. So yeah, and it, the thing that's cool about him, he can be a villain at times. He could be an anti-hero. Like he's very um, he's very fluid, like that. Very much like a Black Adam is now, mm. uh, which is funny. They both kind of rock the widow's peak too. Have that, <laughs> have that look. Sure. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to figure out where I might have seen him from, but he was in the Avengers video game side scroller like a long time ago, like the early 90s. Mm. Um, trying to yeah. think what else he might have been in, but no, not not in any of the Marvel vs. Capcoms. That would have been cool if he was, but um, yeah, I don't think he's in the Marvel vs. Capcom games. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's I'm excited to see uh, how they how they. Oh, he was in um non-player character in Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Mm. Yeah, because that's been a while since I played that game. Um, anyway, yep, we'll see. I think that's it. I don't have any more thoughts. You ready to move on? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think we talked to it uh, to great length. Um, so yeah, I'm ready to move on. Sure. Well, before we do move on, I get a chance to promote your stuff real quick, uh, Joe. Now that people have got a chance to hear your thoughts and and opinions and all sorts of movie and specifically comic book related things, where do you want to send people to check out more? Yeah, definitely. Where I'm most active is on Instagram at the Star Sprinkled Avenger with the underscore each under each one of those words. Yeah, like Aaron said, I talk about like video games, anime, lots of anime lately. Um, I've been really into it since the pandemic, back into it. Um, action figures, whatnot, like lots of stuff. So yeah, you reach me there. Uh, and a quick reminder that Patreon exists for the show. Patreon.com says it popped up. You are. If you guys are interested in checking it out, hop over there. You can check out all the fun perks that go along with that. We're going to move on to talking about our main film for this week. Uh, second week of the month, we always talk about a comic book film. <laughs> and uh, we landed on Blade, 1998. <laughs> Partly because of just with all the like it, it recently changing uh, some crew and got pushed back. It just seemed kind of timely, especially also like this is still early November. Like we're still pretty close to Halloween ish era. So like it seems kind of fitting um, to do this now. So Blade 1998. Joe, this is my first time seeing this movie. My understanding is that the first movie was fine. The second movie was great because Guillermo del Toro makes incredible sequels to pretty all right first films uh i'm thinking this and hellboy 2 specifically and blade trinity is atrocious from what i've heard so <laughs> that i don't have any history with the character outside of that uh and again i haven't seen any of the movies i think i owned them owned them all digitally because i'm a completionist i will at some point want to watch blade 2 and 3 and i think we've talked about maybe just doing those two as it gets closer to the release of the the new film but blade um I, I, I also picked this one up. There was a 4K release last year and I picked that up on Black Friday. It was one of those that like as I was on my way out of the store, I saw this on for nine ninety nine, and I was like, you know what? Why not? 
And um, yeah, so now I finally watched it a year later. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my entire history. What's your history with the this movie, this character, any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, as far as the introduction to the character, this was one of my first introductions. I believe this and the Spider-Man animated series, uh, which is funny. That's the interpretation that most people know and people are most fond of. Because um, originally he was uh, a human being, vampire hunter, that was, uh, he was immune to vampire bites, but he wasn't a, a dampier, a half vampire. So this kind of like revolutionized the character and kind of made him a kind of a household name uh, due to Wesley Snipes' performance and the overall aesthetic choice uh, changes they made to the character. Yeah, I'm very fond of this movie. Uh, I don't love it as much as I used to. Um, it definitely is like, uh, it's very dated in some areas. Uh, but I think the thing that really holds up is it's quick pacing, it's uh, kind of sleek editing, um, and the fight choreography is really excellent since Wesley Snipes is a you know a well-trained martial artist, so he does all of his own stunts or just about all of them. And he really adds something to the character with uh, his voice quality and just the overall performance. He's, he's looks like he's having a blast in the film. Um, so yeah, I've seen this, the first one more than I've seen any of the other films. I would Yeah, I would say objectively the second film is better, but I've just seen this movie more times. But yeah, I'd say I'd re- overall I really like it. Uh, I probably, if you would have asked me when it first came out, I, oh, I loved it. I'm over the moon about it, but I'd say I really like it now. Nice. That's good to hear. So yeah, I'm not like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay scale. You're kind of like, what, high side of like it, low side of love it, somewhere around there? I'm probably the high side of like it, so I, I really like it. I I was kind of like tweening between loving it, like low love it, to uh, really like it. So I'll say I really like it. Uh, that's exactly where I'm going to land to. I really liked this movie. And again, I was kind of surprised because my understanding was this move this first movie was fine and the second movie was great. Um and I'm like this movie was great. There was a lot to love about this movie and I you already mentioned it so we'll start off with it. I think Wesley Snipes is really great in this role being when I was born uh 1995. Most of my formative years Wesley Snipes was in prison for tax evasion. So <laughs> like I don't have a fondness for him. Uh I think the only I mean, I got to look at his IMDb page real quick because like the only thing I really like seen him in growing up was um, he was in U.S. Marshals and I watched that movie growing up. Oh, he was William Macy's in Major League. Of course. How can I forget that? Um, So I guess that would be my biggest my biggest connecting point to him. Um, So uh, but yeah, either way, I don't have a necessarily fondness for the actor, um, but uh, he's really great in this role. And yeah. yeah, it it just seems like a perfect choice. So, yeah, he's great. It's one of those that I'm like, I'm very interested because, man, I, I mean, I, I haven't seen Blade Trilogy Trinity, so I don't know. First of all, I don't know what happens after all of this, um, but it's almost one of those. Do you think they'll do a Wesley Snipes cameo at, at the very least in the new Blade movie? Like, he's, he's so good in this role. I almost want him to keep doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's he's really excellent. I mean, I, I'm really excited for Mahershala Ali to, to take the role. Yeah, me too. Me too. But Wesley Snipes is excellent in this movie. Like, like I said, when I when I first initially saw this film, I loved it. You know, and you still might be able to twist my arm to, to you know, upon a couple more rewatches to, to fall back in that camp. Just because he's so good in it. And the first two thirds of the movie are so strong. Yeah. The, the third act is where I kind of have some issues, but we can get in that later. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. And, and, I, and I think there's parts in the plot that could be fleshed out more, especially Deacon Frost's plan. It's 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 silly if you think about it too hard, but that's with it's, a lot of movies. <laughs> it's it's kind of just basic. And that's 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 a shame because it's it's this big buildup. It's here's the blood God and we're going to summon the blood God. And it's like the blood God is just you with red eyes like 
it was, it was just kind of anticlimactic and disappointing. And it was like, but no, like this should be like, like end of cabin in the woods is what this should be. You know, that was and kind of it, the plans initially. Like there's test footage of a full CGI blood God. Oh, and it right. looks not great, but maybe back then it probably would have been pretty decent. But the I mean, test if, it's, footage, if it's test footage, it probably wasn't finished. It wasn't finished. Yeah. But yeah. like, it's kind of hard to know. Like you said, he, he's just Deacon Frost, but like he can grow limbs back and he has, you know, red eyes and it, it's, yeah. it's a little lackluster. That um, scene where he like reattached himself after getting cut in half. I was like, whoa, that's awesome. <laughs> I was really impressed by that. Look, now, all right. I gotta, I gotta give it a little asterisk here too, because I thought this movie was like early 2000s. And when I popped it in, I'm like 1998. Oof. And I was like preparing myself. Because this means this was pre X Men and pre Spider Man, and yeah. I was just pre- and I know that that's typically when we define like comic book movies to start being great. So 1998, and I'm like, damn, this is only three years away from Batman and Robin. I know people like this movie, <laughs> but like, sure, like, I-, I think I'm gonna land on like just okay, or probably didn't like it for this movie. And it started, and at the end of that first sequence, I'm like, I'm in, let's go. Like, and part of it was, and again, I watched the 4K disc of this film. Uh, I thought some of the first of all, this the the actual film quality looks great. It looks sharp, but the effects were so hit or miss. Some of them were yeah incredible, and some of them looked like PlayStation One graphics. Like some of them looked really good, and some of them looked horrible. <clears throat> and so it was it was weird because it was like there's no consistency, you know, like. Constantine, I think, had a similar problem where some of the stuff looked excellent. The stuff that really needed to look excellent looked excellent. Some of the other stuff looked fine. But it was like some of the biggest moments in Blade looked silly. Yeah. <laughs> and especially anytime they did blood, it, it, especially in that third act, it just looked so bad. So it, I, I, I want to give the movie props, uh, at least this this rem- this 4K transfer, because it it looks great. You could not tell this was 1998. So I was, that was the first thing I was surprised about was it looks great. Yeah. Like one of the first things off the top, like the intro to the film and the world building, it's excellent. It doesn't hold your hand. It throws you right into it. You get to see a, a victim being taken to a rave and they're playing the most. I mean, anytime I think of any techno music, I think of the blade intro. Like I immediately <laughs> think of that. Like, to me, that's what techno music was, like, when I was a kid. Yeah, I get that. So the intro is is amazing. You get to kind of see this POV character. He doesn't know what he's getting himself into. And he's in in his, like, techno underground nightclub. And all of a sudden, the sprinklers just start spraying blood. And, like, the Mm -hmm. visual of that is just, like, amazing. Well, and this was a really fun moment for me, too, because (laughs) my wife actually, like, decided, as most movies, that she hasn't heard anything about that. I'm like, I need to watch this for the podcast. She's usually like... I'll start it and I'll might leave 20 minutes in, but we, we cracked up when the blood sprinklers went off because we just finished what we do in the shadow season four. And, uh, and Nadja opens up a vampire nightclub with blood sprinklers. And so like it, they, they every, they're all chanting and Abby's like, Oh, what are they going to do? Blood sprinklers. And then it shows the sprinklers. And we're like, what they are, they're going to do it. And then the sprinklers go off. And we're like, yeah, let's go so uh we were we were having a blast because uh, i had no idea that was a direct blade reference i just I, I thought that was just a funny joke from what we do in the shadows but no that's that's all that's makes the show funnier and that's awesome made us enjoy the movie more um but yeah, not, yeah, to, and, not to detract too much but that's what i love so much about 
what we do in the shadows, both the movie and the show. Mm-hmm. They, their their vampire references are spot on and hilarious. Every single one of them. Like so, yeah, that's that's super funny. I I gotta wa- I gotta rewatch the show and start it again. But it was also fun because <laughs> like it was it was really interesting like the terminology because I don't think I had ever heard of a familiar before the what we do in the shadows show because I don't think the movie has one. And so oh, they familiars. Do they? Remember the lady that's always like ironing their shirts and like doing stuff for them and getting getting him a dentist. Oh, they're just she, like she, very background then. She's in right? the movie pretty uh, pretty heavily. It's been a while, so I need to watch the movie again. I love her complaining about like having to iron their shirts and like you know just completely just like mouthing off, but like you know trying not to make it too obvious so like she doesn't get turned. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Either either way, it was just like I'm very familiar with the concept now because of the show, <clears throat> and so they said, "Oh, he's not a vampire; he's a familiar." I'm like, "Oh, I know what that is." But then like the movie does a pretty good job explaining everything, so it's just like. I don't know, just in 1998, that would have been all new to me. And I think that the movie does a good job setting it up. But I don't know, just added extra layers because it was it did world building really well. I mean, you kind of I knew off the front, uh, off the off the top that it was going to be Blade is some sort of he's not he's not fully human. He's he's I I thought he was vampire. I mean, it makes sense that he's half blood. Is he full vampire by the end of this one? Uh, No, he's still considered a daywalker. As they, okay. as they call them uh basically all their strengths and none of their weaknesses as uh whistler says um right well i was just like i don't really know because like when he bites karen i don't know did that somehow like turn him into just full-blood vampire and i, I don't know S- since he was born of a person that was turned into a vampire he can't technically be a full vampire if that makes so it sense. doesn't so it doesn't really matter work. It doesn't really matter what he does unless he misses his dosages and then he would just turn into a vampire. I mean, he'd still be considered a damp here. He would just be, uh, he would fall to the dark side of that, right? So he would start feasting on people okay. instead of using the syrup. He would just, he would just not have any control, but he would still be. He would be able to walk during the day, uh, do everything else that he'd been doing. Like, But he would just like, like have, have no control. So he would be killing people more. He would be a bad guy. Right. And that's usually the, the dichotomy with the damp here trope. Is that like they they don't want to feed on people? They're usually riding the line between hero and anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're similar characters uh, throughout different books and whatnot. Like Vampire Hunter D is a famous vampire, like a Japanese manga and anime character, where he chooses not to feast on people and like he has these tendencies, but like he's always like, will he do it or will he not? And it's yeah, it's uh, cool. Yeah, so yeah, I just it was I, I thought the movie was relatively clear enough, but I I wasn't sure. The movie also just ended on a really low note. Like that was my biggest con. Like we there, there's the moment where like they fade to black and it's just like that's a really weak ending. And then there's just a little scene tacked on that takes place in Russia. And I'm just like, what? The, like this? Is, why is this epilogue here? It's so <laughs> unnecessary. It's the, the whole the whole last specifically last five minutes of the movie really fumbles an ending. I think they just didn't know how. But I, I personally like the third act. It, it's. Oh, that was a weird noise. <laughs> it's I think the third act is a maybe different than especially with again with all the build up and it's just like oh this blood god is really kind of like underwhelming. I don't know I had a good time. I mean, we mentioned the fight choreography or like you mentioned it briefly earlier and I really like some of it and I really don't like some of it. <laughs> like I think there are sometimes like in the nightclub at the beginning, I think there's some really awesome shots, but there's I don't know. There's moments where like people just shoot at him and 
it's like not one of those hit him in the head and like <laughs> and, again, and again like when it's, it's a police shooting at him it's fine like they're shooting real bullets like presumably he's not susceptible to real bullets only what kills vampires too i don't know but either way he's wearing tons of armor that makes him you know impenetrable and at one point donald logue is just like punching him in the chest it's like dude he's wearing like really bulletproof <laughs> armor like what do right. you no way this is hurting him but like sometimes too like you'll just see like really really quick edited nowhere near i mean especially for this era this <clears throat> this isn't as bad as like ben affleck daredevil or like other things from that era but like it is sometimes cut a little bit too much and there's definitely one at a time itis on here where you know, you can't have three people coming at the same time. And it's all, it's so sad too, because for a movie that's called blade for a character that's called blade, like his primary is his shotgun. And as soon as that's gone, he moves, he moves onto his machine pistol. And as soon as that gone, he moves onto fists. And then sometimes he pulls out his blade. And I'm just like, this is so upsetting because the choreography, <laughs> like, and I get it. Like from a logistical standpoint, start with the shotgun. That makes sense. You know? Or I guess maybe start with the sword and use the shotgun if you have the range. I don't know. It's but it's just like it's, it seemed so weird to me because some of the chore- some of the fight choreography seemed a little weak because like there's a moment where uh, he's losing a fight. It's it's where he gets ambushed at oh the place the the archive place with the vampire bible mm-hmm. and because the, there's that like girl that like lures him into a place. And, and he's just fighting her with his fist. And it's like, you have time to pull out your sword, dude. Like, you get overtaken here, and it's entirely your fault. Like, I i don't feel bad for you. So it's, I, I wanted more Blade, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, I totally get it. I think my complaint isn't with the choreography itself, because I think the choreography is really cool. But the thing that bothers me when I, when I rewatched it was, guys, just like, leave him in frame. Let him do his thing. It's obviously Wesley Snipes doing all of this. Yeah, like it's not like a double in here doing most of this stuff. Like it's him. Just go ahead and and I don't know if like he um, had any input a way that way some of those things were shot. Uh, I know he choreographed uh, a great deal of it. Um, if not, did all of the choreography. But um, yeah, I mean, I also agree. With also, like use the sword more. I get it. You guys want to do more flashy stuff with fists and like there's a lot of cool hand trapping stuff and like uh-huh. he, he wants to show off his skills and you can tell like it's like a it's a highlight reel for Wesley Snipes at times. Instead of but be, you can being do practical. that with a sword. Yeah, without being you, you can have a highlight reel with a sword. It's fine. You know, it's great. You can totally do it. I don't know. That, maybe the other thing I noticed too is like um there's almost an unnecessary amount of twirling of the sword. Yes. Uh he twirls it to throw it into his car at one scene, and I kinda of started laughing a little bit. <laughs> like but ninety eight, so I was like, I think I was thirteen. Thirteen old me was probably like, That's awesome. Now I'm just like, why did you even waste your time doing that? <laughs> and like just some of the in- inconsistencies with the blade like how it gets triggered like the yeah female, the female vampire is able to use it for a brief amount of time i was like maybe she's just not holding the the weapon long enough for it to trigger but certain like inconsistencies like that like they kind of pile up a little bit but like none of it where it's like you know i'm not having a good time but like you do notice it though sure but yeah yeah it, it again some some inconsistencies with it but yeah, it's. I, I I also want to compliment. I think the set design throughout the movie was really great. There's the uh, there's the first scene in the nightclub where again it's just an empty room um, now covered in blood and it looked great. But even like Blade moves into like a circular, almost like a sauna pit, and it's like this is a really cool aesthetic, but also makes total practical sense. There's one entrance and exit, 
and there's like different levels of ground like you and he can him he can like scale it's like it, this makes total practical sense and it's still visually incredible so like that was a set i remember there's also the uh the room where pearl is in um that has like a bunch of like gray boxes with with red lights on them like again like really sophisticated like looked like something you might catch in like blade runner or something um and then there's there's the archive room with the like giant you know pieces of the of the wall uh, and even blades like hide out his warehouse place i thought all the sets in this movie looked really great um yeah, I like 100% agree. I had that as well. My notes like um, notably Deacon Frost, like uh, his layer is like very detailed and sophisticated and it makes sense the way it's structured the way it is. And like, it's functionally pretty cool when they go into a lockdown. So it's kind of like this party pad, but also it's like a fortress. Um, like you, you brought it up the, the server room that uh, Pearl is in mm-hmm. is really awesome looking. You're like, it probably is like, like you said, it's probably just a couple boxes with lights, but it looks like an actual server room, like the yeah. way it's set up. Uh, and we're talking about visual effects. Pearl is probably one of the best visual effects in the entire movie. She's yeah, it's so gross. <laughs> I guess I guess it's a he. They said he. Yeah, they said he. But he is gross. This looks like Mojo from uh, I don't know if you know Mojo from Marvel Comics. He's like head of like Combat World or Battle World. Okay, uh, the comic, but he looks a lot like Mojo. Yeah, really gross. Uh, I was thinking of um, there's like a something on the internet of like a really fat something like shooting green out of its nose and ears and bulging eyes. Like I can't remember what it is now, but yeah, some disgusting. Either way, pearl, pearls, pearls, gross. Pearls, disgusting. They did a good job of, uh, and again, visually, I gotta think that's a practical effect. I oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I thought that was really well designed. Yeah. What else is for goes, Yeah, like the kind of a garage type of like grungy setup that Blade has, like that totally makes sense with this relationship with Whistler. What uh, Whistler? So like that entire setup. Like there, there was a lot of thought that went into the the set design. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I see other things about the the movie. Um, I all right. I don't give a damn. I don't give a single damn about the mother subplot. I There's. Know. <laughs> it, it just it just feels forced in this movie especially because like we don't we don't necessarily need a reason for blade to have beef with deacon i mean it kind of one of those like uh you could just say that they've been searching uh he's been searching for deacon for a while um and that's it like you know he's hopping town to town but deacon has influence in all these towns um like you don't need any of the especially when when there's the reveal that the mom is still with or is with deacon um and like a servant of him now like it just i didn't give a single day di- maybe that's something that would be nice in a sequel but like especially when you like you you spend the first movie just establishing you know you can see that shot of the mother being taken away and you're just like so blade you, you can ex- have it explained blade is a halfling because of this scenario and then maybe you can have her be the big bad I, like jessica jones did that right where like the mom was the big bad of season two or three one of the two season two yeah Th- yeah like, that was that was a mess yeah that was a particular mess but like you could do that right like that would be that would have been fine and i don't know how blade two shapes out but like uh i don't know anything about it but you could have that right like you could have the mom just be your antagonist for season one and instead it's she's so surface level it, 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 the the story the movie itself doesn't even seem to care it may be just one more reason for us to hate deacon which whatever he's a he's the bad guy in a late 90s action movie like or even <laughs> a, a comic book movie of this era like 
I'm not I'm not gonna hate him, but I'm also not gonna like him. Like he's not you know an evil atrocious person. I mean, kind of is he, he is, but he's like there's nothing here that I'm like oh he's super super evil as opposed to just normally evil. You know. Anyway, it's just I didn't give a single damn about that subplot. That's my biggest draw. I think you can cut this. You probably also cut like ten minutes for this movie, so I think you just cut that in the movies instantly. Ten times better and fix the damn ending, and then and then I'm definitely in the loved it camp. Yeah, yeah. To talk about Deacon Frost, um, I think for this era of film, I think he's pretty excellent. I, I don't know about on paper if you don't have Stephen Dorff, but I think Stephen Dorff elevates what his character actually is. Sure. He's so smug, and he you could tell he has a total chip on his shoulder that he's not a pure blood vampire, and like they yeah. really nail it in that you know that you're you know you're only bitten, you know you're 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 a virus, you're this, and that really. She tries to act like that doesn't get to him, but you can tell, like, because his acting's uh, so well done, that kind of is, like, picking at him. <laughs> if I did have a, a complaint about the movie is that Deacon is clearly supposed to be the big bad, but we get Quinn more, and it's almost one of those where, like, I could have used a little less Quinn, a little more Deacon. And, and also, especially because Quinn is a silly character, like, he doesn't really fit the tone of the rest of the movie, and it's fine because I... I liked Donald Logue. I liked especially like where he gets both of his hands separately cut off. Like he's a good comic relief character, but like he's not intimidating enough for the amount that he's in it. So I, I liked Donald Logue in the role. I just, we had Steven Dorff right there playing a really intimidating villain. I just maybe would have preferred more of him and less of Quinn. And maybe it would have yeah meant, meant more or whatever. Cause he's, he's barely, he's in the movie. A, decent amount but most of it he's walking around talking he doesn't see a lot of the vampires or he's having his lackeys do all the work like you know like when they burn that guy on the on the the beach uh the the rocks like watching the sunset like even that's like whatever nobody really had to do anything physical for that but it's just like he's oh you're right you have steven dorf there he's already like the the villain is a fine villain like use him you know give me less quinn and more frost Right. I like his contention with the council. I think th- those are some of his more memorable things, like his little back and forth with Udo Kier, who's the guy you're yeah. talking about that they burned the beach. Like those two's like, you can tell like that character, uh, his name's Dragonetti. He's just like, I hate this guy. <laughs> this guy is so smug. I hate him. He's so irritating. Like, you know, t- treating him like a teenager. Cause like in, in every respect he is compared to him. Uh, he's sure. an ancient vampire. So like those, especially in the server room when he smacks him, like that, that total, uh, those interactions are really good. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think he should have been in the film a lot more. I I like Quinn's character, but like you said, he doesn't really match the tone of the rest of the film um, too much. There's some comedic um, elements, but like they're, they're few and far between. I feel like he handles most of them. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that really comes to mind. Yeah, I I love Chris Christopherson in his role as Whistler. Sure. I think he's great. Um, I think he's in the film just enough. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I, Karen's pretty good as a POV character. Um, yeah. She helps out a lot as far as like get you. There's somebody who spit um, exposition to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like the Rachel Weisz character in Constantine. I, I think that I think that'll be my last note about the film is that a lot of it is relatively basic in, okay. in terms of structure for what we consider today. But I legitimately think this might have been the one to kind of like normalize that. I, and I think we give most of the credit for good superhero movies to be starting with X-Men and Spider-Man, but I really think we should be including Blade in that conversation. And since Blade came out first, I mean, Blade is different because it's a little bit more obscure and it's an R-rated one. So like X-Men still deserves the credit for 
doing it in a PG-13 family friendly, I mean, relatively family friendly capacity. Uh, But like, I think we need to like legitimately start saying Spider-Man, X-Men and Blade. Because again, this is three three years after Batman and Robin, but this feels way more X Men than Schumacher Batman, uh, and and the last couple Superman, you know, Christopher Reeves ones. So like like I said, I think it's it's a lot of it is still a little basic, but I think it's like you can see like this is one of the more foundational movies for for this setup for comic book. You got to think that like Daredevil is just ripping this movie off, you know, and. I'm sure Electra too, um, Constantine to some degree, uh, especially with, like with that Rachel Weiss character. You you got to think that the Karen was a big influence for that. So it's it's not a negative on the film because I was still entertained throughout. It would never bother me. I was never bored in this movie, and that's like a great thing to say about a movie from 1998. Yeah, like 100% agree. Um, every time we have a I have a discussion about kind of like comic book movies, this one is always at the top of my list as far as like ones that kind of like. Um, we're at the forefront, the ones that kind of ge- generated momentum, kind of created the template for like how these things should work um, in a successful manner. Because like, before this, like there really, there really wasn't anything that was quite like this. Um, but like you said, there's films that kind of spurred off of this that have that same type of template, the ones you mentioned. Um, but yeah, it's de- it 100% should be in those conversations. Uh, sure. It totally agree. It totally deserves it. Uh, it's a high quality film, uh, especially for the time. Like it was outstanding um, on just about every level as far as comic book films are concerned. Sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's still a film that held up pretty well. I really enjoyed it to talk more about the way it was like shot and whatnot. I love the style of transitions, like kind of sped up time thing. Sure. I, I don't know if we really touched upon that, like the day, especially the day to night stuff. That was kind of cool. Cool. We can use this as a point to transition to our B plot then. Um, Cause we both agreed that Wesley Snipes is really great um, in this role. And I, I, I wasn't expecting to, to like him this much in this role because again, I had next to no history with the actor. But yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that he is one of the more iconic. I mean, he got three films from a not very well-known superhero in an era where there was coming out of some really bad superhero movies, you know, so there wasn't a lot of public faith in these kind of things. So I thought let's take a look at some other uh, non-MCU comic book characters. Did I say... Marvel specifically, I did not MCU Marvel films, so no DC properties here, which that's fine because I'm just not really excited. I didn't put any down anyway, although I probably would have if if you know we would have had that included. But anyway, um, five non MCU Marvel film um, characters, uh, and I guess I want to start off by specifying and saying there are certain characters that are now canonized as part of the MCU. I'm saying when the film was released, they could not have been, they were not considered MCU canon. That's, that's my specification. So like, I'm sure we'll run into some, some people, but I would say like, if you wanted to count Tom Hardy as Venom, by all means do so, because the first Venom was very deliberately non-MCU. And even then there's a very loose connection. So anyway, top five, we'll do this best ever challenge style. So number five to number one, uh, we will give these in order one, one by one. And then if you have it higher on your list, um, you can trump me and we'll talk about it whenever one of us has it the highest. Um, let's let's start off with you, Joe. Give me your number five. Yeah, very fitting since we uh, we just spoke about him. I don't need to go into too much detail, but I have Wesley Snipes as Blade. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, he's he's excellent. He defines his film. Without this performance, probably film when they got off the floor. So. Okay. 
I want to specify this by saying, um, before I tell you my number five, that I deliberately picked only one person per franchise set. So this could have very easily been, you know, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin and Alfred Molina as uh, Doc Ock and to- Tobey Maguire. Like this very easily could have been that. Um, so I very deliberately bit went with one character from each iteration of something. So that's why my number five comes with Chris Evans as the Human Torch, <laughs> because there's not much to like about those Fantastic Four movies. I think I've only seen the first one on TV 15 years ago. <laughs> so it's been a while, but I remember legitimately liking Chris Evans in that movie. I mean, I know there's a scene that that. I definitely have remembered where he's walking down the street holding popcorn kernels and then they like pop and he's just eating them freshly popped. And it's just like, that's a really, really great scene. It's a little touch of something great in what I imagine is a pretty mediocre move, but he's for sure. And that's again, like he might be the only reason to watch that movie. I don't know. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about them one day. So like, that's gotta stand for something, right? Yeah. I'd say he's the only reason to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. So anyway, like again, as long as he as long as he means that much, you know. I was like just now realizing oh that's a DC. I was like, I could pick him from the losers, but anyway, that's a DC vertigo. But um I'm not changing my list anyway. Uh so that's my number five. What do you have at number four? Uh number four I have Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier slash Professor True. X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's even with the degree of films and like their uh their overall quality, he's always been excellent in them. And it's hard not to see somebody else besides him playing the role. Um, so yeah, so that would be my number four. Man, it's so interesting because it's a great pick, but I it's it's one of those interest interesting things, and I know we'll talk about it in a minute. Where I think both of the younger casts from that timeline for first class are equally as good as their counterpart from the original trilogy, because it's a high bar to be Patrick Stewart and Ian McClellan, but. James McAvoy is so good, specifically in Days of Future Past. Like, I still get goosebumps when I think of that moment where um, Wolverine comes to confront him at the mansion. And uh, and he's just like, we need you to hope again. And uh, no, it's Patrick Stewart tells him we need you to hope again near the end of the movie. But either way, like Wolverine, like he, he's trying to convince him, like why they need to uh, why he needs to like be committed and care about the world. And he just screams. He was like, I don't want your future. He's, he's so good. I love him. This is a great pick. But again, like I have just as much connection to McAvoy as I do. Um, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. So fair. yeah. Now I want to watch days of future fat past like immediately. <laughs> so good for my number four. I have Thomas Jane as the Punisher. That's a great pick. I don't know. Why I didn't think of that. It's true. Well, I, so, and we haven't covered any of the Punisher films on here yet, but I mean, we could have, Dolph Lundgren or Thomas Jane or um, Ray, what's his name? Ray, Ray Stevens. Something. Yes, from Warzone. Yeah, I think it's Ray Stevens. I, I that sounds about right. I just we'll we'll cover it eventually. I really like that Thomas Jane Punisher movie. I never seen the Dolph Lundgren one, and Warzone is fine for what it is, but it's not really worth your time. But that Thomas Jane one is really good, and that short that they released, that Punisher Dirty Laundry, is like my favorite short ever. So I really like Tom Jane in that role. I mean, especially like they, he doesn't have a lot of lines in the script. So a lot of it is based off of body language. And since it is a Punisher origin story, there is a lot of him just being sad or like, you can tell like sometimes like he's having to fight 
and he just looks so disinterested in actually fighting. It's it's a great performance. I really I, Tom Jane is my Punisher, and look, I like what John Bernthal had done with the character, but I just my heart is with Tom Jane for that movie or for that character. Which oh, yeah. I, so I think they just announced that that Bernthal is coming back as Punisher for more content. So like, yeah. I almost wish they would rather have Thomas Jane do it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Tora. I mean, I like both of their interpretations, but I like the fact yeah. that when you get Thomas Jane, like at the beginning of the film, he's so lively, right? Like they have yeah. like the intro with his family, but it, like you got to see that transition of his character completely change as his, you know, his entire family is slaughtered. Like mm-hmm. he's excellent. Like, yeah, I can't say more good things about his performances. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, your number three then? Uh, for my number three, uh, another excellent pick. I wish I would have thought of some of these other movies, like especially The Punisher, but uh, I had to put uh, Michael Fassbender as a, uh, Eric Puncher uh, uh, slash Magneto. Mm-hmm. In every one of the films he's been in, he's been excellent, um, especially his initial performance. Kind of see this guy kind of devolve into you know, this kind of monstrous villain. But it's, when you see him turn into it, you're like, I could kind of see why uh, you know he feels the way yeah. he does. Like He's very sympathetic as a character. So, um, yeah. <laughs> The first, the original trilogy of films does a good job of trying to make you understand that Magneto is actually not really a villain. He just has a different way of accomplishing his goals. But the the prequel trilogy, the first class Days of Future Past Apocalypse one, man, they almost make you want to join Magneto instead of Xavier. Yeah. They do such a good job of... I mean, you're right. He's a sympathetic character, but they do such a good job of he is in a lot of ways more a voice of reason than Xavier. Um, he is so good in in all of the movies um, that he's in. And I mean, I haven't seen Dark Phoenix. I assume he's great. And he's even good even, in that. And that film's abysmal. <laughs> so. Well, that's one of the things, too. Like, I remember the first time when, when X-Men Apocalypse came out and I watched it. I'm like, why is everybody hating this movie? I rewatched it again. I'm like, oh, no, the only thing I actually really liked about it was magneto and again i thought the scene of him in the woods was just so good where they wind up killing his family and it's because michael fassbender is such an incredible actor and he just gets his his moment to go off like man i mm, he's he's so good in this role absolutely good pick for my number two or three sorry number three this is where i have my sam raimi spider-man trilogy pick and I really could have gone with one of 10 people for this role. I'm going with J. Jonah Jameson. Solid I, pick. I, I know he's not a superhero, but like, you, how do you see anybody else playing this role? Like he, he is comic panel jumped off the screen, JK Simmons. It, and it even like, it's become so iconic because I think like we, we get, a, we get, we get voice from the, the animated show and he, he just nails that too. He's, he is so good, and I'm so happy that they brought him back. I just, I would like to see more of him in in these roles. It's, I, I could have picked Tobey Maguire. I could have definitely picked Willem Dafoe. I could have certainly picked Alfred Molina. I even see a world where I pick James Franco. But no, it's J. Jonah Jameson every time. He's so good in this role. I mean, he just like leaps off the page. Like that's that's the character. That's him. Like yeah, and like yeah, the MCU couldn't see anybody else playing him either that's why they just recasted it <laughs> they just you know just cast him as a character so um, well yeah. there's like the, there's that like meme where he just like starts laughing because like, oh wait you're serious and like that that means I amazing <laughs> that's so every single time you think of like that character it's like that's not that's not the same guy from whiplash like no that's J. Jonah jameson uh it's so good so uh you're number two then 
Yeah, that was that was an excellent pick. That's a hard that's a hard pick to follow. And he's not even a superhero. <laughs> no, right? Uh, I think this guy might give him a run for his money, though. Um, yeah, for my number two, I have uh, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, another guy leaping off the page. Like, could you see anybody else playing Deadpool besides Ryan Reynolds? Like, no, I can't. <laughs> but um, no, not absolutely not. No, especially look when he is Wade Wilson in X Men Origins. He's even incredible in that movie. <laughs> so make so his mouth shut. Yeah. It's a, he, yes, you're right. It's it's perfect. <laughs> no, I don't see anybody else playing Deadpool. I'm sure eventually we will get one, but yeah. Since since Deadpool is still X Men timeline, I didn't put him on here. So my number two is um Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. It's a good pick. And I so badly wanted to put him as number one. But we're going to have the same number one. There's no way we don't. And uh, it's, it's, I so badly wanted to put Andrew Garfield as number one because I think he may, he is the reason why those movies are incredible. He is the reason why I prefer the Amazing Spider-Man over Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. I even prefer... I, I would have much rather had um, Andrew Garfield's character continue as opposed to rebooting. I would have rather Spider-Man's intro to the MCU be the Amazing Spider-Man 3 than um spider-man homecoming um and i love tom holland too but there's something special about garfield's performance and he's he's just so good at at playing this role and he's got such good chemistry with emma stone in these movies and i get there's a reason for that um (laughs) but he he is he is so good at being this quick witted teenager that is so full of emotion like it's one thing that like no Spider-Man actor has gotten the emotion as good as as Andrew Garfield does that. And I know Tom Holland's had his moments, but like the scene where Gwen Stacy dies, like is unparalleled. Or even like the scene where like he has to break up with Gwen because he promised her dad that he would stay away. Like he's just so good, and he's he's the best part of No Way Home. And I don't care what anybody says. The moment where he gets to save this MJ. Um, it's it's excellent it's like perfectly written it's perfectly acted like the sense of relief that he gets when she's okay like mm-hmm. he was able to save somebody yeah he he's by far the best actor of the three spider-mans <laughs> and again he's the reason why i prefer those trilogies or th- that th- that franchise over the others he's just perfect casting and i i so hope that we get more of him i really love to see that so i i, I hope uh but <laughs> but yeah that's my that's my number two pick that I so badly wanted to put as number one, but I can't because number one is. Yeah, I had I had to go with uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, it is. It's it's just too good. And he, I mean, he's on paper he shouldn't even work. He's far, <laughs> too, he's far too tall. He's like a foot tall, taller mm-hmm. than the actual character is, which people get really hung up on that. But I'm all about the performance and the mm-hmm. the aggressiveness and the attitude. And he's he's perfect. He always knocked out of the park. And I think what solidified it most was Logan. I mean yes he cemented right. that he's like that was his magnum opus as a character it was a perfect send-off for the character i'm glad we're getting more of him but even if we didn't like that was a perfect film for him to kind of like sunset the character and he's he's always been excellent even when the keep talking about the x-men films in a various degree of like good even if the films are not so great he's always good in them uh, it's it's such a testament because you're right he, he shouldn't have worked but he does and he's like a classically trained actor like you know he like the greatest showman like this is the lame miserable this is the same guy and he's 
fine in both of those, but he's so much better in, in the like night and day difference, how much better he is in these. And man, the fact that he did it for so long, the fact that he stayed in such good shape, the fact that he took the character through all the ups and downs. And man, the fact that X-Men First Class is a 10 out of 10. Absolutely. But the best single moment of that movie is is his moment. Um, like that says something. And look, I didn't grow up with X-Men like the cartoon or comics or anything like that. I didn't even grow up with the movies. I don't think I watched them until high school. Like Wolverine, from my understanding, is never the main character in anything other than the movies. Like I think isn't the cartoon more of like an ensemble? Like Yeah, it's more of an ensemble thing. Uh he's never really I mean, if you like now he's always either, you know, uh close to the main main character or like whatnot. He's definitely a fan favorite, but like definitely not the main character of the x-men never like really it would have been xavier right if you had to pick one it's you yeah if you had to choose just one the two main characters would usually be xavier and magneto like those would be the two people at the probably, forefront probably even Jean gray more than wolverine like yeah or sometimes even cyclops because cyclops is you know the actual leader of the x-men but the, the popularity <laughs> of wolverine kind of like stomped on everybody's face but that's the thing though is like wolverine was a secondary care a low secondary character i wouldn't say that no okay i I wouldn't say in the comic books there's a million there's a million um x-men as well either either way he's not the fact that they took an x-men movie and made professor xavier not the main character and it worked like that's something special right like especially when you have a cast like patrick stewart and you're like he's really a secondary character it's remarkable and all credit to Hugh Jackman for that. So. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, it's hard, it's, it's hard to argue because like Wolverine has plenty of his own books. Uh, he's, he eventually became like kind of a, kind of like a, you know, went from like a tertiary character to being like a main character, but like the movies really are like, no, he is the main character, like cemented. He, that is the, that is the draw. He's the focal point of these films mm-hmm. and we're telling it through his lens. So yeah, like you said, I totally agree with you. Like, that's a testament of the character and the performance. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh yeah, these guys put him to side. This is this is Wolverine's movie. This is yeah. And yeah. I would I would say to me, I mean, you're right. Logan is the cherry on the top, but I mean, to me, Days of Future Past is the perfect like cemented him as the goat. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, X two like X two. You're like, yeah. I mean, he's great in X two. Man, I I like X Men Last Stand a lot more than most people. So like, we'll get there one day. I'm, I promise. But like. He is so good in Days of Future Past. He's excellent, yeah. And he probably would have been great if he had more to do in First Class, but he doesn't. Um, and that's fine. He's still super memorable, he is, though. He's barely in the movie. He is <laughs> so, so good in Days of Future Past. And I think that's partly like the writing took a more serious turn and gave him a little more to do. And again, like that that movie was made for him. And then Logan came around and was like, that movie was made for him. You know? So, yeah, th- this movie, this list was never not going to have Wolverine at the top. Even though my heart was wrestling, I was like, maybe you can't put Andrew Garfield up there. I'm like, no, no, you can't. Especially because Garfield's only lasted for two films and I guess three films now. But, you know, they <laughs> if they would have stopped, if Hugh Jackman would have not come back after X3, like, <laughs> oh, fans would have hated that. Um, anyway. Yeah. And, and again, so much so that like people immediately latched on to Tom Holland. And rightfully so, he's great in the role. But like, we are still talking about how like it will be a, it will be years before they can introduce another Wolverine. 
years. So, and they're they're honestly probably better off to just have X twenty three instead of Wolverine, or just X Men without the Wolverine. You know? Yeah, you could do it. He, yeah, he wasn't, again, it wasn't a first stringer, so it totally makes sense. Especially since there's a million characters, and honestly, Cyclops had jack all to do in the in the main movies. Yeah, I uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that'll do it for our list. Did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to throw out? Probably some of the honorable mentions have been the ones I missed that you actually mentioned. Um, Jay <laughs> Jonah Jameson was a fantastic pick. Thomas Jane is a Punisher. Um, yeah, can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, other than the ones from these franchises that I haven't said, you know, I could have. Again, pretty much any of the villains from the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Anybody in the X-Men movies for the most part, especially that like first class Days of Future Past era. There's a strong argument for Jennifer Lawrence's um, uh, mystique. Um, there's a... The, the first two thirds of the movie she was in. She could yeah. tell she didn't really care for the <laughs> black clubs. Uh, yeah, and then Dark Phoenix. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I even think there's a like relatively solid argument for... Um, oh, shoot. Oh, I can't even think. Uh, I think it was going to be somebody from uh, First Class. Um, whatever. I'll move along. It's fine. Great radio. Great radio. <laughs> That's a solid argument to be made for. I mean, and I also only mentioned Garfield from Amazing Spider-Man. I could mention Gwen Stacy. I uh, I could mention um, Aunt May. Sally Field as Aunt May. Um, I mentioned, um, you know, Martin Sheen as, as Ben because the fact that he did something different you know after the already iconic uncle ben i could mention anybody <laughs> except for dane dehan probably wouldn't have mentioned him <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway i our list of honorable mentions is most people um and honestly look i here's one i legitimately thought about putting on there was john favreau's foggy nelson so i'll put that in honorable mentions no that's that's to, yeah it's good to me that's a that out of the box pick but totally acceptable in my opinion it's one of the better parts of that film. Well, and I like the guy that plays him in the Netflix shows. Yeah, I do but, but I really like Favreau in there. And honestly, I like the Daredevil laugh like movie. And we will talk about it one day. Uh, we will do it. That'll take us to the spinoff. Joe, what's that one thing in any year of pop culture that you really wanted to tell people to check out or to stay away from? Yeah, I have uh, two things. And uh, surprising to nobody, uh, they're both anime related. <laughs> uh, first is uh, Chainsaw Man. It's the long-awaited adaptation of a really kind of cult favorite manga uh what's really cool what ties into what we're doing is like tatsuki-san is a huge cinephile and in the opening opening alone there's so many um famous movie references in it even if you are not interested in the show watch the opening for it it's really cool and uh see if you can catch all the little things that they hide in there and also uh my hero academia is on their sixth season it's really good so far um also ties into our overall superhero theme uh, it's a high recommend for me that show and both the, the anime and the manga. So those are my two things. Nice. Uh, I'm going to recommend a video game. I, so I, I was talking earlier about Gotham Knights and I haven't really been playing it a ton. And part, like part of that too, is most of my video game playing time is between like 10 AM and 1 a, 10 PM and 1 AM. And so like frequently during that time, I'm not really interested in playing a serious brooding game. I want something a little bit more lighthearted before I go to bed. So I can play Gotham Knights. I play Gotham Knights for a little bit and then I move over to something else. And one of those other things that I did because it's so short and because I'm trying to like refresh myself before um, playing Modern Warfare 2 is I um, I played the Call of Duty 4 and Modern Warfare 2 original remasters when they came out. And I was waiting, hoping that Modern Warfare 3 would get remastered before I played again. 
and it wasn't. And so I decided I was going to play Modern Warfare 3 and then the rebooted Modern Warfare. And then I'll go straight into Modern Warfare 2 from that. So I did Modern Warfare 3. And I'm just saying y'all have slept on that game for far too long. Because I remember that multiplayer being way underrated at the time. Because everybody was just like, oh, this isn't Modern Warfare 2. I'm like, it's sometimes better. And I don't care what you have to say. Uh, especially like with some of the game modes they introduced. Like there was the... Um, uh, the like similar to zombies. To, I think infection is what they called it. Uh, no, that's Halo. Invasion, something. Either way, there was a couple game modes. There was some really great maps in the multiplayer, but the campaign is for all three of the Modern Warfare original trilogy games are elite, um, and it's just such a great ending to the to that trilogy. It's it's kind of nonsensical and uh, like in terms of it's just ways to get you from one action scene to another to another to another, and that's fine. Uh, and I wish we would have gotten a little bit more, you know, soap and Captain Price and Yuri of their storyline, as opposed to just like, you're going to spend half the campaign is Frost, this guy that you don't know. And it's like, ugh. Um, but I think it I think it paid off really well in the end. And, um, I'm just saying I really liked it. And I'm really disappointed that they didn't release a remastered version of that campaign. And that upsets me. Uh, and I will buy it day one comes out. So anyway, it's, it's likely to happen. I'm glad they released. Uh, I mean, I, I almost want to pick up end of two because i have really fond memories of playing multiplayer in end of end of two and i loved it so when they did the remaster it didn't have any multiplayer attached it was only the campaign so what what <laughs> i know like the draw well i think <laughs> they realized so because because they did call of duty 4 and i think um they did the cam- they did the whole game remastered and i think they realized that they were competing on their own game because that came out the same year infinite warfare came out and i'm sure more people played call of duty 4 remastered than infinite warfare that year uh so infringing on their own property as well as you know i think again making that push towards i think i think modern warfare 2 came out with the release of the rebooted modern warfare which was the start of Warzone. so i think that they were working on Warzone, so they didn't want to also do the multiplayer friend but i think um if i looked correctly i think rust the map rust is back in the new mw2 oh nice um and like they they've got a revival i would Look, I wouldn't be mad if they just took like Rust and Terminal and I know they did Shipment for Vanguard, but if they just wanted to do Rust and Shipment, why not Nuketown? Like if they just wanted to take the best of the best and keep on rolling those through Crash from Modern Warfare, um, Backlot, if they just wanted to keep on releasing those maps, like I, I wouldn't be mad. So anyway, that's a wrap. A uh, quick reminder that you can follow Joe um on uh, instagram i'll have his handle in the episode description below um you can also follow me on twitter or letterbox at white castle and uh remember that sip pop writers is part of the studio dna network there are other great shows at studio dna but media uh and you can um uh, email writers room if you want to check out uh or if you want to send any feedback to the show or if you want to send us a question to explore during the b plot uh maybe some suggestions for some stuff that you might want joe and i to cover or really anything that you want us to cover. And we'll see if we can fit in the schedule. Uh, and also, if you just want to write for the site, you can email um, that email. So uh, also, while you're listening over at Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to leave a review. would really appreciate that. On next week's show, I'll be catching up on TV with Alice. Um, plenty for us to talk about. Uh, I know definitely we'll have some What We Do in the Shadows, Season 4, some Westworld, which I'm freaking mad because it's canceled now and I'm upset. <laughs> anyway some westworld thoughts 
Alice watches everything under the sun. So probably just expect that. Uh, and the next month, Joe and I decided um, to get kind of like with a wintry theme. We're going to go with 30 Days of Night as our um, feature film that we'll discuss. And so so Joe and I will be together the second Wednesday of December to talk about 30 Days of Night. And we'll see you next week with uh, TV Catch Up with Alice. See you then. Bye.